Hello, Georgia, and hello, Metro Augusta. This is Janice Allen Jackson welcoming you to the April 26th edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. Today's show is brought to you as a service of my consulting firm, and that is Janice Allen Jackson and Associates, where we proudly provide services to local government and nonprofit organizations. If you have not already, please follow Local Matters on Facebook. And of course, we ask you to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Our show today will be of particular interest to those who wonder what is being done to help residents get a better understanding of how local government works and how to create change when things happen that we don't like. My guest is Daryl Roll, a local barber and entrepreneur who will inform us about the Neighborhood Leadership Institute. Local Matters family, today we are joined by uh, a citizen in our community who has gotten really, really involved in some important work. And we want to introduce you to this important work. And we also want to give you an opportunity to get involved as well. Um, but before we start talking about our Neighborhood Leadership Institute, I want to introduce you to Daryl Roll. He is our guest today. Uh, and I'm going to ask Daryl, like I do many of my guests, to just give us a little bit of background about himself, um, where he's from, what he does here in the community, and why he felt like it was so important to utilize his time on the Neighborhood Leadership Institute. How are you doing today, Daryl? I'm great. How are you? I am great. Great. Hey, go right ahead. Our listeners want to know who you are. Okay. Well, um, I'm so I'm a I'm a simple uh, entrepreneur here in the area, um, and so I've I've been in Augusta for uh, a little over twenty years, and uh, so I, I believe I've earned my 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 membership card to Augusta at this point in the game, and uh, um, and you know just just I love this market, I love Augusta. For what it is, um, the growth that it has, the potential that it has, and that's sort of why I, I decided to take roots here, if you will, from a business standpoint and and uh, build. And so, uh, by trade, I'm a barber, right? I'm a barber instructor, and uh, you know, I um, have have taught barbering here in the area for about five years over at Augusta Tech. I um, then went from there and, and hit the road and went from coast to coast, educating um, other uh, others in my industry about the business of, the how-to of, and uh, it also gave me an opportunity to uh, do a, a little, little talk on the stage called TEDx uh, about uh, the interaction of or the power of um, of the chair and the client and how, you know, it's, um, there's a, there's a self-awareness piece to, to what we do. And so it was a really interesting talk, if, if you will. And, uh, so, um, you know, my trade is, 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 has, uh, has not cheated me at all. And I've been blessed, uh, to be able to, to give back and to be able to help other entrepreneurs, sort of find their way in their own respective industries. 
Um, from that, you know, um, I've always been an uh, entrepreneur since a young kid. So uh, I tell people when they ask me, well, what is it that you do? And I tell people, well, uh, you know, I find problems and I create solutions and every now and then somebody will pay me for it, you know? And uh, so that's that's what I do. And so I've, I've been blessed to be able to uh, participate in a few other uh, startups and other industries. And uh, I've also, you know, um, participated in a few uh, syndication deals and in and, and real estate. And um, and and so uh, I have my hands in, in a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But uh, it, it, it creates an opportunity for me to be able to to, to take care of the family and pay a few bills. So uh, that's, that's awesome. And you said you did a TED talk. I did. Yes, ma'am. I'm jealous. That's one of my goals in life, man. Is it on YouTube? <laughs> it is on YouTube. It absolutely is. Yes. Okay. How? What do I need to search for on YouTube? Because I want to listen to this. So just my name, Daryl Roll and uh, Ted, TEDx, and it should pop up. Okay. And that is D-A-R-Y-L. R-O-L-L-E. So um, you come to Augusta, you've been here for 20 years, you've established yourself professionally with your barbershop and go ahead and name the barbershop for everybody. Uh, it's Dapper and Company. Dapper and Company located on Wrightsboro Road. 1701 Wrightsboro Road. Yep. In District 1. In District 1, that's correct. Okay, which leads us into where we are with the Neighborhood Leadership Institute. Um, mm -hmm. I obviously as a resident, I'm a resident of District One. Yeah. A lot of my listeners know that already. A lot of my listeners are also residents of District One. And um, there is a District One Facebook page where I saw a flyer that you had put up mm -hmm. and it says, join the Neighborhood Leadership Institute. Do you want to know how you can make a difference in your community? And as soon as I saw that, I reached out to you. I said, I got to get Daryl as a guest on the show. So if you could, just in a nutshell, tell us what the Neighborhood Leadership Institute is. So uh, Neighborhood Leadership Institute is a, it is created to help uh, develop the community's communication and leadership skills uh, for the neighbors with similar interest in learning how to take an active part in the community planning and development efforts, uh, including uh, one of the large efforts right now that is going on in the city, which is the Augusta Choice Initiative. And so okay. that's that's the Neighborhood Leadership Institute in a, in a nutshell. And so it is, um, it is a part of the Choice Neighborhood Initiative, which um, is, you know, it was created with, um, you know, by HUD to be able to help residents um, understand how um, the leverage of public and private dollars can be able to help uh, create strategies to address, you know, neighborhoods struggling with, you know, public public housing as well as just distressed neighborhoods and so just a, a collaboration you know with uh, public private uh, partnerships to be able to revitalize uh, areas all across the country 
And so, um, and through through that initiative, um, you know, we have we have that going on here in the area. And so, a part of that says that hey, you know, there needs to be an education component to this large scale uh, community revitalization. And uh, you know, the beauty of the format that I like Ms. Jackson about this initiative is that in years past, we have seen community revitalization go awry because the community, a lot of times, whether it be intentionally or unintentionally, usually um, becomes isolated out of the process, if you will, or um, sort of not, captured in the actual process for whatever reason. So what the Neighborhood Leadership Institute does is that it says, well, wait a second, we're going to make sure and ensure that not only is the community, the residents, stakeholders, business uh, leaders, you know, entrepreneurs and, and others, uh, involved, but also we want to make sure that everybody is up to speed about the process, which is is very, very, very important. So uh, in a nutshell, that's what the Neighborhood Leadership Institute is looking to accomplish. Okay, thank you for that. And you are speaking my language with many of the things that you said. I mean, you started off talking about the presence of public housing. There's a good deal of public housing in District 1, um, always has been. Um, and we also, of course, over the years have seen the uh, blight increase in District 1, um, going way back when, before you were ever in Augusta, Georgia. Of course, I grew up here and I remember certain areas where, you know, there was a lot of substandard housing, but there were a lot of people. A couple of decades later, I come back to Augusta, um, a lot of the substandard housing is gone and it hasn't been replaced with higher quality housing. And it's just nobody in certain areas of the district anymore that used to be very, very heavily populated. So um, also, of course, I heard as I came back, the lack of engagement, lack of trust, quite frankly, with government. And a lot of times people don't trust stuff because they don't know stuff. Mm. Um, so it sounds like what you're hoping to accomplish here is to help people know a little bit more so that they can become uh, more fully engaged and feel better about what's happening. Is that fair? That's that's absolutely fair. And if I could, if I can 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 jump on that point that you just said where you you were saying you know people don't trust stuff because they don't they don't understand stuff or yeah you know it's it's um it's one of those things that you know I wanted to be sure that we understood what that trust issue looks like and to make sure that it's understood that the trust is justified okay because when you start talking about historic housing across the country, across the years past, I mean, we've seen the pattern, we've seen the numbers, we we know about redlining, and we know about the, uh, the, the, the G word gentrification and so on and so forth. And what those things traditionally have 
um, carried in terms of narrative in our community. Um, but the, the, the biggest thing is I wanted to make sure in one of the first sessions that we had, uh, Dr. Faye Hargrove, she, she came in and she did a great job at making sure that the narrative and tone was set about trust, right? And trauma, community trauma, and understanding how we take that trauma and those trust issues and we transition them into collaboration and energy towards, um, you know, being a part of the process. And as you talk about the classes, um, just if you can sort of describe what makes up the Institute. I mean, who's in the room? How many are in the room? What type of discussions take place in the room? To, to move from this idea of trauma to collaboration. Absolutely. So, you know, in the room, first and foremost, you know, we have we have the residents, you know, we have the residents of the uh, of Allen Holmes. You know, we have residents of Laney Walker. We have residents from uh, the Harrisburg area. And of course, we have the stakeholders within those areas. So again, the community leaders, business leaders, um, we have, um, we have one or two, uh, you know, uh, folks in government, um, of course, we've had some, some of our commissioners there, uh, visiting with us as well. And so, uh, that's the makeup of the room in terms of, uh, size and volume. I mean, you know, again, initially we were looking at, you know, 15, 10 to 15. That's just sort of what I anticipated. Um, really didn't have a history to go off of because this is the first cohort. This is the first, first time that it's been running. But uh, the word spread it pretty quickly and uh, the right people uh, got the message and the right people have been there uh, thus far. And we've had uh, average size of 25 participants in it. And I'm going to be honest with you, Miss Jackson, this thing really has a lot of a lot of uh, tread on the tire, if you will, um, for future cohorts and uh, community participation. Okay. And at the end of the sessions, have y'all doing, is it five sessions with this first group? Right. So with this first group, it's been five sessions, yes. Okay. And um, at the end of the five sessions, is there something that comes forth? Is it just information and this group graduates or is there um, end product or a list of recommendations or anything that just comes out of that? Yeah, so so I, I believe what I hear you asking is like, are there any, is there anything tangible that the, uh, that the participants are, are, are taking away at the end of these sessions? And so what we tried to do, um, again, we had a, a short window to try to uh, assemble this and put it together. So what, what I did was I created uh, what we call the neighborhood leadership uh, uh, roadmap or the community development roadmap. And what that does is that identifies uh, after each session, um, strong takeaways, right? So. Uh, let's say, for instance, so the first one, again, uh, that we did with Dr. Faye Hargrove, that one was about, uh, you know, community trauma and, and, and collaboration. And so the, the pin on the roadmap was 
create con create consensus. Okay, and so uh, the second one, which was about uh, the building blocks of change in community development, that pin or that takeaway from that session was identify resources. Right, and so uh, and so in that pathway, uh, after each session, there is a pin or a, a key takeaway that the residents uh, have to to be able to 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 use as a point of reference from each session. All right, and you got five sessions with this one. In fact, they're ending now. Yes. Uh, do you envision that, you know, after this first 25, there'll be an opportunity for another, you know, 15, 20, 25 residents of the areas that you named to come together in a, in a second uh, cohort? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, again, um, a lot of tread on the tire with this with this uh, program. And I've done uh, and, 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 you know, this these community programs uh, before, just not in this format. And I'm gonna be honest with you. This this one has a lot of participation, uh, just because you know people want to know. You know, uh, people want to know what's going on in the neighborhood. But bigger than that, people want to understand the process. So I, I do I do see this having uh, uh, you know plenty of of, of tread and and uh, a, a pathway for more of these coming here in the future. Okay. And when you say understand the process, I just want to make sure our audience understands what sorts of processes are they getting more information and understanding about? Right. So again, uh, the overall process, which is the uh, community development process, right? And so the uh, pieces of the community development process that we are trying to ensure that are covered, you know, are you know, how does revitalization work in the community? And what does it take as a resident to be able to lead and communicate a conversation about what this looks like, right? And so I'm going to give you an example, uh, Ms. Jackson. So uh, I just came just came back in town from, from, uh, from, from uh, Fort Pierce, Florida, where I'm from. And so, um, you know, I'm down there. And of course, whenever I go to any city, my eye always goes to two things, the cranes in the sky, okay? And, you know, the traffic. Those two things, I just, that, that's just how my mind works. And so uh, I saw those two things uh, largely increasing. But the, the, the thing is, when I talk to my family there, you know, their narrative of what's going on is always doom and gloom. The sky's falling, right? You know, they're coming, you know, these people, they're coming in to take our land and they're coming in, they're going to push us out and they're going to do this and they're going to do that. And so my question to them always is, okay, so what's the plan and what are we going to do about it? And so usually it's, oh, well, you know, they're going to do what they want to anyway. Are they? You know? And, and so I, my follow-up usually is, okay, well, there's a process to all of this. And the first thing that needs to happen is we need to be able to understand where our place is with it. Are we going to, 
be active in the revitalization. So in other words, that we're going to, you know, go to the community meetings that have to be uh, posted and have to be had when it comes to the planning commission or the planning uh, 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 committees. You know, are we going to go to the zoning uh, meetings as we see these things posted? You know, are we going to be able to uh, have a conversation with our commissioners or with our, our government about, you know, what ills us or what what we need as a, to be a part of this process. See, those are the starting places uh, of, of change, of leaders. And so as we are trying to empower these leaders, what we are doing is we want to make sure, and there's, let me, let me say this real quick, there's a a saying that I, I start off every meeting with, and, you know, uh, it came from John Henry Clark. And, uh, you know, the saying is, don't raise your voice, improve your argument, right? And, you know, so if we are going to be leaders, Ms. Jackson, in the community, if we are going to be a part of the process, okay, we need to be able to improve our argument. And so, um, that's the that's the 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 starting place that we uh, want to uh, make sure that residents are able to 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 conquer as they grow in in leadership. Sounds like you're giving them the knowledge and tools to be better equipped to have some control over what happens in their communities. Fair. Absolutely. OK. Absolutely. All right. OK. And that is so important. You mentioned planning commission and zoning. Those things are so important because basically, unless the uh, zoning ordinance says that you can have this particular use, uh, there's an opportunity to fight it, you know, whatever it is, you know, from single family housing to multifamily, you know, um, parking requirements, uh, height requirements on structures. I mean, the zoning ordinances control all of those things. All of those things. So you go to the planning commission first, just so y'all know the process. My listeners want y'all to understand planning commission reviews an application for rezoning. If it's something that does not fit within the current zoning, it has to be rezoned. Um, planning commission staff will review those items to see, hey, this fits, this doesn't fit, et cetera, et cetera. They make a recommendation to the planning commission. The planning commission then makes a decision, but it then has to go to the Augusta Richmond County Commission in order to get final approval. If it's something that requires a rezoning or a variance or what have you. So that's why oftentimes you'll see the commission chamber packed when there's a development that the neighbors in the surrounding area don't like. They'll say, well, what about that family here? You know, whatever the case may be, or we don't want this industry or this type of business or whatever, whatever. So you hit on the point where, yes, we do have some say so. That's it. That's it. We we absolutely do. We absolutely do. And you know, Ms. Jackson, I'm gonna be honest with you. In the community, we have to learn how to give ourselves more grace for allowing better. Okay. Uh, again, uh, I just went and visited my grandfather. He's 98 years old, right? And um, my grandfather, his house, you know, is um, 
you know, he 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 has always tried to keep his yard pristine and try to keep his 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 yard together. But you know, I mean, hey, he's in the hood, and so all he can control is what's inside of that gate. And um, but what does help my grandfather, and what would help my grandfather is if the house that he worked over 30-something years picking fruit in the fruit groves of Florida, if the value was to increase while his taxes would stay the same. Now, I don't think he would turn that down at all. I don't know too many people, Ms. Jackson, that would turn down that opportunity, right? And so, but if that's not explained or that is not properly communicated that, you know what? No, there are packages, there are opportunities where these things happen in the community. Then we're always going to think that when it comes to revitalization, that this is always going to be uh, a bad situation because of history's past. And so there has to be a balance when we're having these conversations, because again, those are a lot of realities that happen. You know, um, our communities deserve better. They do. But what does that better look like? And how far does that better um, impede, if you will, on uh, the, the current status of the residents that are there? You know, uh, we want uh, better, better food sources to eliminate the food deserts. Well, those are those are great justifiable asks, right? But it takes certain things in order for that to happen, which is, you know, you have to have more people to be able to pay taxes, right? And so uh, that means you have to have people in the community that can be able to feed into that tax pool to be able to justify for a store to want to come to that neighborhood, right? And so the 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 all of the moving parts, the levers, the triggers of community development and economic development, again, should be properly communicated. Unfortunately, in years past, they just haven't. And so, um, so our community does deserve better when it comes to these things. But again, we have to make sure that we understand both sides of it and that it has balance as it happens. And, you know, one of the reasons I think that people don't understand it and maybe it hasn't been appropriately communicated is this is tough to explain. It really is kind of tough to explain. Um, but I'm one resident of District 1 that pretty much refuses to leave. I mean, it would take some extreme circumstance for me to leave District 1. Um, and when people, though, start complaining about, oh, you know, these houses are getting more expensive and different folks are moving into the area. I said, well, you know, I'm looking for more higher income neighbors because I want a grocery store. And that's really what it's going to take. That's what it's going to take. That is really what it's going to take. So I take. like the fact that in Old Town right now, they're building some houses. One of my neighbors was checking some house went on the market for, I don't know, 270 something, whatever it was. And yeah, it sounds expensive, but I know that if we want that grocery store, we're gonna have to have some folks who can afford a house that costs two seventy nine. Absolutely, absolutely. It's just that's just the way it works. 
Um, Daryl, thank you so much for being a part of the Local Matters family. Now that you, you're on, you're part of the family now officially. Yeah. I really appreciate all that you're doing in the community as well as the rich discussion that we've had today. Is there anything else you want to share with us before we close out? Uh, the only thing that I want to share with you all is uh, just pretty much remember what John Henry Clark said. Don't raise your voice, improve your argument. Let's find a way for uh, for this community to keep growing and keep thriving. And uh, let's make sure that we as community leaders stay involved so that uh, everybody has opportunity to be able to get what they need in Augusta, Georgia. I certainly hope that you enjoyed our discussion with Daryl Roll. And we thank you so much for being a part of the Local Matters family. Please join us next week when we will be joined by Lisa Wheeler of the Georgia Department of Public Health and Angela Prince of Reduce Your Risk. They're going to talk about some of the services that are available in our community to help women, uh, as well as an upcoming health fair that's going to take place in the Lane Walker Boulevard corridor on May 6th. Be blessed. I close with my favorite Bible verse from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community, and offering you wisdom for decision-making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Please tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. here on WKZK, 1600 AM, 103.7 FM, and WKZK.net, because local matters.